your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brutal. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. What's going on, biohackers? Anthony DiClemente here, and in today's episode, I sit down with Vicky from the Bob Beck Legacy Foundation, and this is a really cool episode because what Dr. Robert Becker did was he completely innovated electromedicine. There are a lot of things that I get the opportunity to test in terms of gear and gadgets and technology, and most of them don't really move the needle, but the ones that do, I share with you guys. And a lot of the things that have completely revolutionized my work with clients and my own health came because of the innovations made by Dr. Robert Becker. And these include things like the silver pulser, the magnetic pulser. There's now light technology based on some of his research. And a lot of people don't know this, but we got thrown off course back in 1928 when a man named Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin. And this caused a complete shift in the way that we viewed medicine, where we started, we became fixated on the fact that humans are biochemical creatures. And we are. But where we're missing and where we've been thrown off course is the fact that we are bioelectric first. Our body runs based on electricity and the ability of our nervous system to communicate and transfer that current between cells. It's how all of our cells function, it's how all of our organs function, and we are bioelectric first and biochemical second. And the tools that Dr. Becker innovated and shares reflect that. So in this episode, Vicki and I sit down and we discuss how she came to know about Bob Beck's work and became involved in working with him, the specific Bob Beck protocol, which is a bioelectric natural health protocol designed to help the body do what it was designed to do and heal itself, people dealing with Lyme disease, Epstein-Barr, or any other disease with infectious causation, whether it be parasites, candida, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, we'll really want to listen to this episode. The long history of electricity in medicine and the changes, not always positive ones, that have occurred in the industry itself, some of the lies we are told about health and the myriad of ways in which we remove ourselves from the very nature that we're meant to live and that heals us and much, much more. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Vicki from the Bob Beck Legacy Foundation. Hey everyone, I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. I appreciate you taking the time to chat today. I'm I'm excited. We've had a number of conversations that probably could have been their own podcast episode, but this is the first one that we've we've set out intentionally to to chat about stuff for the benefit of other people, hearing some information right. that may help them. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be fun. Um, I thought it could be cool for us to chat a little bit about you know your your story, how you got involved with. Well, I guess first probably how you even came to finding out about the Bob Beck protocol or uh, how it first got brought to your attention, how you got involved and, um, you know, how that, how, how your role in the health industry has evolved over 
the past few decades? Well, um, I, I, I went to work for, uh, I mean, all my life I was interested in, in alternative health, uh, uh, from the time I was a teenager and I'm talking about back in the, in the seventies, um, you know, in the eighties, I was one of the, you know, the first generation of people to start pulling out those amalgam fillings. Um, and so I was always keeping up with the, what I felt was the cutting edge. And in about 2000, I got introduced to the Bob Beck protocol because I actually went to work for a manufacturer and, um, I had just been coming out of um, a, my own business and basically just wanted to do something that I felt was light and uh, non-stressful and, and such. And so I took a customer a service position with the company and um, uh, was intrigued by the technology, although I, I mean, you know, back in 2000, this was... Um, electricity and health was a little strange and but it was my it was the constant feedback that I would hear from people that were using this technology that kept me involved and got me even more intrigued and about that same time the um, manufacturer was running into problems with people like the FDA and the FTC and Health Canada and the AMA out of uh, England and the TPD out of Australia. And that was intriguing as well because I had a political background. And um, <clears throat> um, so I thought that I could help in this regard because I did have a history of working for several years um, for an MP and an MLA, um, which is in Canadian language, member of the legislature provincially and um, member of the parliament in federal government. And so I was a constituency assistant and I did a lot of casework and I did a lot of uh, <clears throat> uh, trying to solve people's problems with bureaucracy. And so I thought that this was something that I could help with because I saw that any kind of... Um, hmm, any kind of conflict usually has something to do with a, a loss of communication or a lack of communication. And I thought that I could bridge this gap. And so I went into it naively uh, as a, a good social democrat, um, thinking that there's nothing wrong with government. And once government knows what we're doing, they might even help in this good work. That was an eye opener for me, and it was uh, it was a loss of innocence for me, <laughs> because I quickly found out that that's how the world, how I thought the world worked, isn't how the world worked. I want to I want to come back to that okay. for, for people that aren't familiar with electricity and medicine yeah. and and the Bob Beck protocol, just right, so that right. so they know what we're talking about. Can you yes, ex- can absolutely. you explain that, and then we'll continue. We'll, we'll pick the story back up with your, um, the, I don't know, the eye-opening, the awakening. Yes, yes, yeah. So, um, basically, um, 
back in the 90s well electricity and medicine basically has been has been around since the 1800s and uh, around it, at the beginning of the of, of the 20th century where its its use was most prolific um, is about the time that we adopted a, a style of medicine in North America based on the German model of medicine called rational medicine. And in that, in that um, format, it was not enough now that, that treatments worked. You had to know why they worked. And if you didn't know why they worked, then it wasn't scientific and you couldn't use the treatments. And so here was electricity and medicine was very, very um, popular. And it, by all accounts, worked. What, However, it couldn't be explained they, rationally. What were people using? Oh, all, look at an, uh, an old Sears catalog, catalog or, or um, uh, they, they would be selling home devices. They would be all sorts of high voltage, low voltage um, high frequency, low frequency, all sorts across this electrical spectrum, they would be using um, electricity for anything that ails you, basically. Is there one example that stands out as that 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 was the most widely used? Hmm. Well, the one that won out was x-rays. And that's the one, unfortunately, that shouldn't have been used therapeutically, but it was. Um, that was that. That's on the other side of the spectrum. On um, on just the home use electricity. Basically, no. There was there were there were so many thousands of instruments out on the market that there was just no way to point to one of them. Okay. Um, You've got a Bakken museum in Minneapolis. That's uh, it, it's a the history of electricity and medicine, and on display there. If anybody looks up the Bakken museum, B A K K E N, they'll see uh, pictures of all sorts of of devices um, that uh, look scary and sometimes torturous, mm -hmm. uh, but um, for the most part, we're we're. Uh, were helpful in a lot of cases, and in a lot of cases, there they may have not been helpful. Um, so yes, it, it has a long history. But uh, back in the 1990s, there was a scientist, an inventor, uh, doctor of science, uh, named by the name of Robert C. Beck, um, and he had spent his lifetime dabbling in electricity and medicine. Um, on the side, he he was um, he was a physicist, and he did a lot of uh, contracting um, for hmm, the more esoteric parts of your uh, defense um, system in the United States. Uh, you know what they call skunk works, the the most mysterious of the of the work. Um, and he was he was a regular contributor to that work. Anyway, he always had a fascination with electricity in health, and so 
1991, he learned of the work of uh, researchers Callie and Lehman of the Albert Einstein School of Medicine in New York. And they had developed a method of using microcurrents to remove viruses from contaminated blood. They thought at the time that this might be uh, a potential treatment for HIV. Um, but that, that experimentation was basically, um, the theory was to take the blood out of the body, put it through a dialysis-like system, uh, and apply uh, electricity to it, and then put it back in the body. Or implant a device under the skin where they would send out small microcurrents of electricity um, that would essentially zap viruses and pathogens uh, of, of all sorts, like bacteria, fungi, etc. And, um, and so, Bob was a, he was a people scientist, he was known as, and, and he could take other people's inventions and, and ideas and make them simpler and put them into use, into practical use. And so, you know, he thought to himself, why, why does the blood need to be taken out of the body? Why not leave it there where it belongs? And so he created a little device that was, um, that was worn on the wrist. It was placed over the ulnar and radial arteries. And he would, you know, he began by experimenting on himself and his friends and such and started to get feedback that was quite remarkable about how people feel, felt better, um, about how their colds disappeared, how uh, um, sometimes just little things and sometimes someone might be bit, have been battling something really um, significant and they would note that it, this by using this device, it, it seemed to completely get rid of the symptoms of this uh, of what ailed them is is significant would an example of that could it be like cancer or are we talking about yeah, something different yeah c cancer um aids not necessarily hiv but it, if if uh, an aids if a, if a person was had full-blown aids um then by applying this little device it seemed to uh that person seemed to become completely symptom free um, it just didn't necessarily get rid of the HIV, though. So it was really mixed results on that. And we do, still don't really understand the connection between HIV uh, AIDS in this regard. Um, but yes, um, cancer was another one. Uh, we we uh, ended up getting a lot of feedback at that time from people with Lyme disease, which was relatively uh, still new back in, in 16 years ago. And um, uh, people with chronic fatigue syndrome, people with fibromyalgia, um, some of these so-called uh, autoimmune system diseases, people that would use this technology uh, seem to have a beneficial effect to one degree or another. What in other words, it wasn't complete remission all the time, but... but Along the spectrum of success, um, there was there was a lot of success. So, yeah, Bob was intrigued with this, and uh, and and he spoke about it at many shows in, especially in the in the states. And um, 
health shows. And then he developed a protocol around that because he felt like there was there was more. Um, it, there was something missing that a lot of pathogens hid in the lymph glands. And so he developed the magnetic pulsar, which was to uh, um, an instrument that had a magnetic field to carry a microcurrent deeper into the tissue so that you could target the lymph glands and you could target the um, organs, the brain, what have you. And he went a step further and and he added ionic colloidal silver. He, in fact, uh, he, he was the person um, in modern times to simplify being able to make ionic colloidal silver for oneself at home. Before, colloidal silver used to be a, a very complicated laboratory process. And in a, a flash of inspiration, he knew how to do it a lot simpler. And so now we have a... Um, a way to make ionic colloidal silver at home. And ionic colloidal silver was, again, known to um, especially be effective at killing bacteria. And so he thought this was a good adjunct to, um, to, to micropulsing or to, as some people refer to it still as blood electrifying, even though that's a, a scary term. It's, we're not actually electrifying the blood. Um, all it's doing is creating little tiny, tiny microcurrents um, that mimic our own electrical system. And, um, and then he went further and uh, someone had brought to his attention, a, a fellow by the name of Ed McCabe, had, uh, a researcher had brought to his attention the idea of adding ozone to the protocol. And Bob was hesitant at first until Ed McCabe showed him all of the research, the positive research, and then water ozonation was, uh, became part of the protocol because it, it was a matter of, and it was added because it was like, okay, now that you've disabled these little critters inside of your body, what's, how, how can we help the body get them out of the body. And so uh, drinking freshly ozonated water became the fourth part of the of the Beck protocol. So that's a brief history. Uh, I don't know if I made it very brief, but that's a brief history of the, the Beck protocol. That's what we were talking about today. I appreciate that. Okay, so now, <laughs> now we all, I, I understood everything, all of the background when you started your story, but I just wanted, I, I knew the listeners were going to be curious yes. and, as to what we were referring to with uh, blood electrification and microcurrents yeah. and all of that. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. we're all up to speed. Um, and you were talking about becoming disenfranchised. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, the politics of medicine. The politics of health, it's, a, it's a, a tragic, it's a tragic state of affairs in North America especially, and increasingly in Western countries, um, that we seem to have been hijacked by one form of medicine and one form only. Now in nature there's such great diversity, but apparently in, in healing there's one way or the highway. And there are a growing number of people around the world that are becoming uh, disillusioned with, with that idea. They're becoming disillusioned with the medical establishment. They're becoming disillusioned with pharmaceutical companies. 
um, because we see diseases growing, not going away. We see cancer numbers growing, not diminishing. And, you know, since the 80s, since Nixon's war on cancer, all we've done is see numbers go up. And they can fiddle with the statistics here and there and, and show that there have been like little tiny minor successes here and there. But overall, the big picture is that cancer is thriving and growing, um, as an example. So, yes, when I went um, to bat for the company that I worked for uh, in and dealing with the, um, the regulators, uh, I found that there was a, an incredible bias uh, against natural therapies. And one wondered how, how that could be. You know, these people in government that are supposed to be working for the people, how could there be such bias? But then one realizes after a while that they come from industry. They, they trade places. They, they're trained in the same, the, the same medical schools. They're trained in the same um, methods of, of science as the people in the industry are, and they just cha change places every once in a while. It's like a revolving door between bureaucracies and industry. And it's industry that lobby the bureaucracies, not so much the politicians, but the bureaucracies, um, to making these rules and regulations that only the biggest of companies with the most amount of money can possibly hope to achieve that level of uh, rules and regulations. And the fact that science, which is a beautiful thing, science is a beautiful thing, it's, you know, the, at, its, at its core is um, experimentation and observation, but it's been hijacked economically so that it, it has become this narrow little box of, of definitions defined by only those people that can ever hope to succeed in that narrow definition. And if you think outside of the box, um, you're going to quickly find yourself eliminated altogether from the box. Uh, economically or professionally, um, socially, you're going to you're not going to be accepted in your own community uh, of scientists of scientists or of medicine, and um, and we have many many examples of what happens to physicians and what happens to scientists when they step outside of the box with alternative theories. It becomes like. Mm, what the church used to be in society in the Middle Ages. And it seems like science has now taken that place. Not true science, but science that's been hijacked um, for the economic benefit of some. So, yeah, I quickly became... <laughs> it was a disturbing thing to to learn because I'd always thought the opposite. I was always a fan of government. I was a fan of, of um, government representing the people, doing the right things. It was noble and it was good. And, and so while I was trying to help this company and I was doing research on research and research on why we were having problems having research done and why we were having, kept running into the problems with the regulators 
it's like a whole new world opened up to me and everything that I reached out to grasp to uphold my own belief system was falling like sand through my fingers and the only thing staring me in the face was the truth and you know once you hear the truth you can't ever unhear it you can't ever unlearn that and um so yeah it's it's a it, you know when it comes to this kind of technology this kind of alternative um therapy um it's uh, it's not really wide known among consumers because it can't be simple simple as that it would never survive was there a particular story an incident when you remember things changing for you in, in, in how you perceived the role of government in medicine and started seeing things differently? Well, you mean like on a personal level? Yeah. Yeah, very, very much so. If I understand your question, it, uh, for me, um, I liken it to, uh, you know, how psychologists will talk about the five stages or the seven stages of grief that a person goes through over a loss and and you know that starts with uh, uh, you, you don't believe it um, you, you become depressed by it uh, there's there's all sorts of, of stages to go that you go through at different times and what I was facing was a loss of my belief system my whole belief structure was had disintegrated and so I, I was left with disbelief and depression and um, and you know finally you come to anger as well um, but then also you come to a place of acceptance okay now I accept this I accept this as truth now how can I live with it and how can I is there anything I can do to change it and so uh, basically now it, it taught me valuable lesson because uh, you know a lot of our, our beliefs around healing um, are just that they're just beliefs and it seems that when a person understands that that's when learning starts to happen that's when, you know, the world opens up to a person and they can see things in a different way. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a very humbling experience. It was a very painful one. It, it's um, one of my favorite, not one of my favorite, but <laughs> something that always makes me smile when um, posting a video or an article or a newsletter or something like that. And, um, and you have certain people it's 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 fewer and further between these days because i think a lot of um I, I think we're becoming more savvy as a society and realizing that there there are more options out there for us to you know to empower ourselves to take charge yeah. of our health and um, and, and and that economics play a very big role in all of this not just Mm -hmm. um, not just in what options are made available and legal, but also um, what studies are done, and yes, and whether or not there is a conflict of interest in um, in the in the individuals behind the study, and and if those yes. results can even be taken as 
credible or, you know, who's, who's incentivized in the results of this study, who's paying for the study to be done. And, uh, and there's a few people that consider themselves to be the, the ones who, who really dig into the science, but it's, it's usually those people. I I would, I venture to say that the people who are ignorant to all of this and open-minded enough to say, well, although that isn't supported by government agency A, B, or C, it seems like there's a tremendous amount of anecdotal evidence supporting its efficacy. Those people are in a better place than the people who say, I don't believe it unless you can send me a white paper and a PubMed yep. study. Um, because those those people are cutting themselves off from a lot of options and they're ignoring the financial and, and political uh, arena that plays such a big role in all of this. You're right on there, Anthony. You're right on. Uh, there are so many factors at play. Um from so many different angles that it that's that would be a show all in its own. Um, but I can give you an example of a of a study that changed the public's behavior, changed the behavior of doctors, and changed the public's behavior. And that was it was about um, ear infections in children, and I think this demonstrates our our point. Um, and you, this was years ago. I think it was either the 90s or maybe the 80s, um, where there were a couple of scientists were were seeing if if children if children were better off using antibiotics for ear infections, or whether they were better off and just leaving it alone. So the so the study was designed, it was set up, and it was going through. But halfway through, they 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 ran out of money. So the only way that they could get any money was to bring a partner on board, which was a pharmaceutical company that had the funds. So the pharmaceutical company looked at the study and they made changes to it. They said, okay, we'll get involved, we'll fund the rest of the study, but you have to make these changes in the study design. One of the major um, changes was they wanted the end point of the study to be two weeks sooner than the scientists had had it. Well, one of those scientists was <clears throat> became a whistleblower, and that scientist saw his uh, consequently saw his his um, career utterly destroyed because of it. Uh, no one would back him up, not the university that they were working for, no one. But what happened out of that study was, and we know it now, but at the time. Uh, at the time, because of that study and the way it was designed and the way it, it finished, was that from that point on, doctors regularly prescribed antibiotics for children for ear infections. And of course, now, of course, you have and you still have the uh, the fallout from that is that parents will still run to the doctor for an uh, for an antibiotic if their child has an ear infection. But what the most of the public does not know is that that study was redone by other people and it was done in its original form and it showed that that two-week period that the, that the pharmaceutical company had knocked back, if it had been left at its original endpoint, the results were that children's ears resolved on their own given enough time. But by knocking that study back two weeks, 
of the endpoint, uh, children's ears, ear infections still weren't resolved unless they had antibiotics. But if left for two weeks longer, they would have, wouldn't have needed antibiotics. You see what I mean? Yeah. It's how, and, and, that's, and, and the thing is that most scientists that design studies absolutely know they're fully aware that the outcome of a study is largely based on its design. And they can make it look one way or another way based on how they design it and how the endpoints are set up. And so in that kind of a, an environment, which is rather hostile, I mean, it's a very hostile environment. Um, how are alternatives going to going to get in there and, and thrive when a lot of alternatives are inexpensive, they don't have patents, there's nobody to support you know, them, uh, somebody making like millions of dollars off of these things or billions as the pharmaceutical companies do. Who's, who's going to support that? Who's going to fund those studies that generally to pass FDA uh, rules uh, would cost millions, if not billions of dollars to conduct. Right. Vicky, are we talking about the, the 1980s study that was done at Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh and, and Dr. Uh, I, may, I may mispronounce this, but, but Kantikin? Well, you know, it's been quite a few years since I've, probably about 10 years since I've read that study. So the names uh, escape me. But um, if it sounds familiar, then you're probably on track. Yeah, we'll we'll dig it up and find out exactly which one it is. But I th there there was that one that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine, and I know that that Doctor yeah. Kantikin was was a whistleblower for it. He showed that that amoxicillin wasn't even modestly yes. effective, and then um, and then he, like the he, he submitted his data to a number of different medical journals. Finally, after I think it was four or five years, the Journal of the American Medical Association published his manuscript. Um, but he was, he was still eventually, um, you know, as with many whistleblowers dismissed from his position, yep. um, at the Otis, uh, media research center and children's yeah, hospital yeah. of Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, there we go. We're talking about the same thing. Okay. All right. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, so for someone, and, and just as a, as a, as a fun aside note, um, children's ear infections, a great home remedy for those is, um, herb farm mulling and garlic herbal eardrops. It's spelled M U L L E I N and it's by a company yeah. herb farm and yeah. uh, you can get it on Amazon for like 10 bucks and it's far more effective than a lot of the conventional treatments offered. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I believe it. I mean, uh, um, a lot of the old time treatments um, were were based on something, mm -hmm. and they were proven ta uh, safe through the test of time as well. Um, the, the, one of the problems is is with um, with regulators. It has to, it comes down to safety and efficacy, mm -hmm. and you know there are many of us that believe that efficacy is up to the is up to the user, and that government should not have to. That should not dictate what's what's um, effective and what's not effective because we are all so different that um, there is absolutely nothing out there that works for everyone, but everything works for someone. And even in 
Uh, and, and when it comes to alternatives, of course, we're talking a lot safer of a risk because of that test through time. Whereas pharmaceutical companies, uh, all pharmaceuticals, have what they call ADRs built into them. And ADRs uh, is the acronym for acceptable death rate. So every single pharmaceutical out there on the market has an ADR with it. In other words, hey, it might work for, it might be safe enough for a large group of people, but they know that there's some people that are going to die from the drug. I think that's one of the biggest hypocrisies in medicine today is we're, the Hippocratic Oath gets thrown around so often, you know, first do no harm. And, and we have a hundred to 170,000 deaths every year from, from pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah. And we have these, I mean, let's, let's call it what they are. They're, uh, I don't want to, you can, you can pay to have your prescription medication fast tracked and approved for mainstream use. Um, and they, you can call it whatever you want, but you, 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 you give certain government agencies money, Mm -hmm. label it, whatever, however they want to label it, but you give them money and then, yeah. And then your, your drug is fast tracked. And the the FDA, uh, refers to it, to pharmaceutical companies that do this. They, they pay the fast track money. They refer to them as clients. Mm Mm-hmm. Right there, that should tell people something. <laughs> and, and, and beyond that, now we have these drugs that are being approved in months, not even years, yes. but months, yes. where the average human lifespan is you know, 70 plus years. Yeah. There's no possible way. It's, it's, physically, it's physically impossible for us to know the, the long-term health, potential health consequences of these, of these uh, compounds if we're only testing them for a matter of months. Hey Tony, even though it's a touchy subject, look at how look at how many vaccinations now are being new vaccines are just being pumped out with 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 no research behind them whatsoever. Vaccines are like the new politics and religion conversation topics. Like oh, you, yeah. you don't yeah. you bring that up at a dinner party, the party's over. Especially yeah. <laughs> if you've got some parents yeah. with young kids there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, so, yeah. You don't, you don't even want to mention it on Facebook because you're going to lose half of your friends. <laughs> yep, yeah. It, I just, I just stay away from that one. Oh I, yeah, I, I yeah, do, I sure. do my own research. I'll make my own decisions with my kids. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, uh, we'll stay away from it here too. But you know, the point was that they're just being pumped out like crazy. Yeah, and, and they don't have long term studies on them whatsoever yeah there is no proven t- safe through the test of time vicky you you'd mentioned lyme disease chronic fatigue syndrome fibromyalgia i think it, well correct me if you disagree but i think uh even arthritis may have a place in there and <laughs> how, how many of these chronic degenerative conditions of unknown origin do you believe are linked to infectious causation? Well, just from what I've read, I think it's a, a growing number of uh, studies and researchers that are, that are showing <clears throat> that there's an infectious 
agent underlying a lot of it. Like even some cancers are now are are being put down to um, uh, somehow being triggered by an infectious agent. Uh, for example, uh, acute leukemia. It's always preceded by um, an infection of some kind. Um, I'm thinking about the the fellow in New Zealand that um, fell into a coma after getting uh, getting exposed to H1N1 virus and quickly developing leukemia after that. And there's there's all these um, anecdotal stories out there, but now the research is starting to catch up. And and yeah, there is an infectious uh, part of it. But you know, when it comes to the Beck protocol, for example, the micropulsing or the past terminology of blood electrification, which is a lot scarier. So it's it's not it's not one it's one I like to avoid now because it's not really representative of what's happening. Um, but you know, Bob Bob came up with this. It, it, it was based on that that Albert Einstein College of Medicine um, study. And and that was it was uh, targeting um, the the pathogens, not killing the pathogens, disabling them, kind of stunning them until your own immune system, because that's all that ever cures us of anything, is our own immune system, until our own immune system can can help run them out of dodge. Um, but, you know, it's been 20 years now that this technology has been out there. And so now we, we know that it's doing, it's doing way more. We don't know everything that it's doing, but it's doing way more than just uh, dealing with the pathogens. I, there's there's so much re- there's so much growing research about electricity and medicine. It just hasn't hit the ground yet because it's still in ivory towers. It's still you know being discussed back and forth. But while it's being discussed, we can actually be helping people and healing people through you know really inexpensive. Simple, safe technology. And why not make that available to people? It's there, it's, I think, you know, it's, it's the choice of the individual whether they want to allow themselves to be experimented upon. And we do that every day by uh, letting them experiment about what, uh, uh, with what they're putting in our water, what they're putting in our air, what they're putting in our bodies, like glyphosate, you know, the, um, the whole uh, genetically modified foods thing. We're allowing ourselves to be experimented on. And so really it's our choice if we want to be, exp- if, if be part of the experiment or not. So there is no reason in the world, there's no valid logical reason in the world why these safe, simple technologies and substances should be withheld from us. Except that it might be hitting somebody in their pocketbook. Yeah, you brought I'm up... I'm not talking about consumers, I'm talking about corporations. <laughs> right. You brought up something interesting there, and I think that is with, with glyphosate and air pollution things that are being, you know, floor, we'll just say fluoride in the water, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, for many people, that's not a choice. They don't know. It, it's, we're, um, we're only choosing to the extent that we are even aware those things are taking place. Now, if someone knows that 
fluoride is in the water, that fluoride yep. has been linked to negative health effects. There's, there's a lot of very intelligent people that are still yeah. like, wait, fluoride's good for your teeth. If it's bad for us, why would it be in our water? Why would our municipalities yeah. Yeah. allow this? You know, and, 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 and these aren't dumb people. They're no. people that probably, like you, have a lot of faith in, um, in, in, in the, the bodies that the, yes. and agencies that were originally put in place to look out for the common good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that's why I completely uh, go by um, the, you remember the old comedian, uh, George Carlin. Mm -hmm. I completely go by his philosophies. Believe nothing of what the government tells you. Nothing. Nil. Nada. <laughs> George Carlin said that? George Carlin said that. Is there a punchline? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a whole bunch of punchlines after that. <laughs> None of them that we can talk about openly on your radio show. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Um, what do you think is taking place beyond just the, um, the killing of pathogens or the stunning of pathogens so that our own immune system can do its job? Uh, Right. What have you seen in anecdotal cases? Can you fill us well, in? Well, you mean anecdotal cases or, or, or actually what science is starting to show? Like what scientific studies are starting to show? Let's do both. Um, well, like, I mean, it, it, the one thing is, is that we're talking about microcurrents that are mimicking our own, uh, our own electrical system. You know, it wasn't until the 90s that um, the first... The first uh, Nobel Prize was given out to a couple of scientists who discovered little tiny ion channels between each cell and that there was like electricity going between each cell. So it was, it was more than like what they knew of our nervous system overall. It was like in every cell was electricity. It, there's a voltage there. Uh, uh, and... And so, you know, it's still relatively new. See, me uh, the medical establishment is still, is still working on the premise that our bodies are primarily chemical in nature, when in fact our bodies are primarily electrical in nature. Now, if they went on that theory, medicine would change overnight. And of course, we know it's not going to change overnight. So they're not going to adopt anything like that anytime soon. But, you know, there, there are studies showing that um, uh, microcurrents increase uh, the production of ATP, which is like the, the powerhouse that the, the, the um, it's, it's the, it's the energy source of our body. It's mm -hmm. adenosine triphosphate. Um, it is, it's been shown that uh, when red blood cells are exposed to microcurrents of electricity, that the, um, the walls grow stronger and more impervious to infection. Um, that it increases white blood cell activity. Um, that there are theories that um, that and models that show that really electricity is no different than any other antioxidant. It, it, it's acting like any other antioxidant, like vitamin E or vitamin C or uh, any other vitamin that you use for your body, and that it helps. Um, it that there there could be a direct relationship between the voltage level of our cells 
and the pH balance of our body. And, and so all of these things are, you know, all going on underlying everything, right? Because when we're, ta- we're talking about something working at a very, very basic level, and so I think it was William Pollock, uh, who is one of the one of North America's foremost, if if not the foremost authority on magnetic therapy. Yeah, we've uh, had him on the show. Right, right. I don't, I don't know if it if it's been released as of the time that this one this episode will oh, be released, okay, but okay. Yeah, there's one but, coming you know, with with Dr. Pollock. Yeah, but it, but it's like what he says is electromagnetism. You're talking about something that's working on a very basic level, therefore it's going to have. Uh, wide-ranging effects over a wide variety of cells. And then our immune system is going to do what our immune system is going to do. So, you know, and and I think he said that in uh, because of the argument that, well, you know, if something is too good to be true, if something is good for everything, then it's probably, you know, not and that's when he came up with that explanation. We're talking about a very basic level, so it can it can it can do magic in many different areas. So the thing is, is that you know, on a on a practical level, someone might try this equipment for a particular purpose and find out that it's having a nice effect in something that they didn't even anticipate. So, for example, I remember when I first tried the equipment, um, I used to, from a child, I used to get these little tiny warts from time to time um, on my fingers. And they wouldn't be noticeable, but, you know, I would notice them. And when I first went to work for this manufacturer, and of course, you know, I was expected to understand how the equipment worked. And so, I went on just the the silver the um the micropulsing machine and um i wasn't expecting that that um outcome but what i noticed was that all of those little warts that i had on my fingers completely disappeared and to this day 16 years later they've never been back since so that's just a minor story, but you know, I can tell you, I could tell you stories about people recovering from cancer, people recovering from Lyme disease, people recovering from. Now, again, the only thing that ever cures us is our own immune system, and it's a matter of finding the right tool. And the Beck protocol is just one tool in our arsenal of tools out there um, to help nudge the body on the right track. And uh, so, yeah, there's there's many inspiring in stories out there. That's all I can tell you. When you were talking about electricity working as an antioxidant in the body, as as a, as a nutrient in the body, there's mm-hmm. um, we may have had some people scratching their head there. And I want to take a step back. We're starting to see the the role that free electrons play. Exactly. There's where we're going to go. So electrons neutralizing free radicals. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, I mean, I might not be explaining it in in the in the proper terminology, but but essentially, that's that's what it's about. That's how it's acting as an antioxidant. Right, and and, and it's 
tied to some of the same benefits that we're getting from grounding, earthing, where we're taking off our shoes and and, yep. and connecting to the Earth's electromagnetic field. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so for people that wanted to dig into that and, and may have had a hard time understanding how, how the heck yes. is, is electricity in any yeah, way yeah, an yeah. antioxidant, it all comes down to the transfer of free electrons and these, uh, these redox reactions that are yes, constantly yeah. taking place in the body. Um, and then, thanks for helping me out there. No, I I, I think, I think you had it covered fine. I just wanted to make sure that people weren't, Oh, right. You lost me there. Um, yeah, yeah. Well here, you know, here, here's what it is too, on a, on a really basic, simple, uh, in a simple way is that it doesn't matter if one believes in creation or, or, uh, you know, evolution, we were obviously here in this biosphere and we work harmoniously with it we we live harmoniously with it and we were meant to live long happy relatively healthy and lives and everything is here for us we have healing rays of every color every every color uh, in the spectrum from the sun that heals but we're constantly told now, stay out of the sun, stay out of the sun. We have this beautiful planet that's got this electromagnetic energy that as we walk along in our bare feet, we have an exchange of electrons with, with that body. But what do we do? We put on rubber-soled shoes and we walk on sidewalks. So we continually remove ourselves from the very nature that that we were meant to live with that heals us and, and we remove ourselves with it. And, and it's like we remove ourselves more and more all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you, you were talking about our cells vibrating at an electric current. I know from my limited understanding, every cell in our body runs at, a frequency of, I don't know, 20-something millivolts, roughly. And I've, yeah. I've heard that chronic disease occurs when that voltage drops below 20, or, or we can't achieve the, the voltage necessary to make new cells and, and to regenerate our bodies. You know, we know that, that all our entire body turns over at a cellular level every, I don't know, maybe seven years or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and, and if our voltage is, is, is too low, that yes. um, doesn't take place. And then you have the opportunity for cancers and some of these other degenerative conditions to get a foothold. Do you, yeah. do you believe that electromagnetism and the Beck protocol and, and some of these other um, more, well, at least at this point in time, fringe therapies mm-hmm. assist in that by helping to um, bring the voltage of our body back within a healthy range? Absolutely. That's what it's all about, man. That's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, um, and and uh, who gives a really good layman's understanding of that is uh, Jerry Tennant in his book. Um, I think it's called Healing is Voltage or Voltage is Healing. Um, and, and he gives a really good understanding of, of um, how that works and also how it correlates directly uh, with 
the pH balance in our body. So that if we are acidic in our body, in an, in a localized area, or j- just generally, uh, we can be guaranteed that a voltage of our cells is also low. And if we have a healthy pH level in our body, we can be guaranteed that our elect- uh, the electricity, the voltage in our cells is also um, at an optimum level. So, yeah, I would encourage people to, um, to read that book because um, it, certainly gave, it certainly gave me more understanding of how else the Bob Beck Protocol is, is helping people. Because it can't just be mass delusion. Because I, you know, I have talked to so many hundreds of people, Anthony, from all around the world, from different cultures, different languages, you know, uh, different genders, different ages, uh, different health problems. How, but, and yet when I talk to them, they're all describing a process that they go through that is, is very similar to one another. And, and they're not all talking to each other. In fact, most people that are into alternative uh, therapies to the, gre- to the degree that maybe you and I are, um, we usually feel like we're on our own. And it's not something that we talk about a lot with other people. Yeah, I, I think especially it's sometimes when we'll put out certain newsletters or videos on social media, you'll get that ecstatic individual that comes across them and is like, I've been saying this for years and everyone calls me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And they're so excited. There's like, there's another crazy out there. And and I I think there's this, this growing band of people who, um, yeah, I'm I'm sure some people, you know, I'm sure some people think I'm crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, but there's a, there's a growing amount of people that, that are kind of, stopping and looking around and they're saying, wait, maybe all this stuff we've been doing for a long time, maybe that's what's crazy. (laughs) And and maybe this, maybe, maybe some of these ideas that we are electrical beings and it is possible that electric current can be used to improve our overall disposition. Maybe those aren't that crazy of of concepts. Um, Yeah. On a, on a bigger level, like if, if the world, the way the world works right now in medicine and in any, every other way, if, if it, if that's sanity, then I am more than happy to be bat crack crazy. <laughs> what, what type of people benefit most from the Bob Beck protocol? Who uses oh, it? Who, mean, do you, who do you see using it? Who do you see seeking this? Like personality wise, like, you know, a tendency toward a certain kind of uh, no, personality? No, more, 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 more what are they struggling with? What are they seeking a solution for? Oh, okay. Well, you know, usually uh, a lot of it is are, are people that are fed up. A lot of it are people whose um, physicians have told them, we can't help you anymore. And, you know, you should just go and... and um, you know, settle your affairs and make the rest of your life happy, however long that is. Um, or the people that, you know, have struggled with going from doctor to doctor, from, from uh, uh, specialist to specialist, and through, from test to test, 
for years and they are still no better off and still are no closer to understanding what it is that's that's even wrong with them. Um, those are the kind of people in, uh, that are attracted to this technology because it's something completely out of the, out of the box, right? We're because again, electricity is something new to this last couple of generations to be used in this kind of a way. I mean, because usually when we think of electricity and medicine, we're thinking about shock therapy, right? Uh, something horrific and drastic. Uh, or we're talking about MRIs or x-rays, which are dangerous because of the, um, the levels of electromagnetism that they put out. So that's what we think about. And we think about, wow, gosh, we put that into our body? No, completely different things. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's people like that. Um, and then the other people are people that are just curious, uh, that they don't maybe have like super major health problems, but they're they're very intrigued at something this different, and it resonates with them. They intuitively understand that to be correct, and because there are a lot of people out there, Tony, like you and I, that um, that maybe haven't gone the extra step that we have, but in our minds, but um, that are sitting there thinking, you know, like this, it's just something wrong. There's something wrong when my, when my medical establishment is telling me the only way to cure myself of this terrible disease is by cutting, burning, and poisoning. Why? You know, it's people that are starting to question that. So that there are people that are attracted to this technology. But yeah, generally, uh, a lot of people are just fed up of being fed up. They're, 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 they're tired and they want answers and and um, they're not desperate. Uh, they're thoughtful. Very, uh, in fact, I would say a, major, a minority are desperate. And you know, I don't think that you make really good decisions when you're desperate. But a lot of people have just come to um, take responsibility for their health and are educating themselves. So I Is use, that? yeah, yeah, that, that, that does, that makes sense. Um, I use a couple devices from uh, a, a company, Soda. Um, right. And there's the, the silver pulser and a magnetic pulser and a water ozonator. And yeah. um, I found them very beneficial just for the maintenance of health. Um, mm -hmm. The silver pulsers, once... Once I went through the full protocol, um, it's a little bit harder to get myself to pull that out just because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. But but I do feel better when I use it. Are, are there other tools out there for people that are interested in learning more about some of Bob Beck's work and what he made available, or what other companies have made available based on his work? Where's yeah. Where are some good places for people to start? Brain Tuner. Or uh, as one company calls it, the BioTuner. Um, the Brain Tuner is a cranial electrical stimulation device. And unlike shock therapy, where that's dangerous, you lose your memory, um, they have to give you drugs in order for your bones not to break while you're going through that therapy. Uh, this is completely opposite that. It's gentle, tiny, gentle 
um, microcurrents uh, going in through um, a headset or ear clips behind your behind your ears or on your earlobes, and um, it has a nice uh, buzzing effect, and it really promotes relaxation. A lot of people have have described it as a an alert state of relaxation. Um, people find that it helps them sleep. Um, it just helps them calm down if somebody has anxiety. Um, so, and a lot of people uh, feel that it helps them reach greater meditative states faster. Um, some people find that it helps, and actually not some, but pretty much across the board, people that use that technology um, feel that it has done something to their memory. They'll start recalling things that they haven't thought of in years. Um, so, yeah, that's a nice instrument uh, from Bob Beck. I, I have I have the BioTuner from from Soda and admittedly have not <laughs> used it a tremendous amount um, in part because I wasn't, I, you know, I think I, I think I bought it and then just my place yeah. here is filled with so much, so much technology and, and wellness, yeah. uh, wellness yeah. tools. Um, what there's, there's five settings on that or six settings on that rather six modes. Um, yeah. Where, where do people usually start? What's, what are the most popular modes for well, and, and what's each one for? Do you know? Yeah. Well, it used to be that the uh, mode, mode one was the only mode. Okay. And uh, then Bob realized there was this thing called brain acclimatization, where the brain would kind of get used to it, and so it wouldn't really work anymore. Um, and so he introduced other uh, modes uh, to to prevent the brain acclimatization. So if you were going to use it for more than 10 days or 20 days or 30 days, that you could change modes. Also, it's a comfort thing. Uh, I don't know if you've, well, like you say, you haven't played around with it a lot, but they each feel a little bit different. I've, I've got um, it on right now. I put it on and I'm, I'm on mode one and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, I've got a, a, a bit of maybe a, a sting. A little bit of a, a sting feeling. One okay, of my ears. okay. So here's what's important. Here's what's important is that um, one must clean off their around their ears and their ears with some soap and water before they put it on. And it's because in 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 seconds, in minutes, we start to have our natural body oils come out. And you can imagine oil and electricity. That would be kind of stingy. Ah, okay. So, so that's that's one trick there, and also, of course, you should be wetting. Uh, you've got the one with the ear clips. You should be wetting the ear clips. Okay, Not, didn't do that either. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, you go and do those two things, and you're going to find it's you're going to have a pleasant buzzing sensation. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. All, yeah. All, already learning new tips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was mainly for those reasons. Brain acclimatization. Okay. All right. And three of the settings are a little bit stronger than the other three settings. And off the top of my head, without having the things in front of me or the uh, um, 
the information in front of me. I can't remember which set it is, the first three or the, or the second three, that's slightly has a stronger delivery than the other three. So is... Um... And, and Bob, because of, of requests um, that he had and also because of the brain research that he had done decades for decades earlier, uh, he threw in the 7.8 earth frequency into modes three and six mm. just for fun okay and some people find that that does help them with meditation that's three and mode three and six three and six yeah all right i'm gonna i'm gonna give those a try during uh during meditation later on mm-hmm. yeah yeah do it <laughs> um what if you were to summarize the bob beck protocol and and how one would go about integrating the ozonated water, the silver pulser, the magnetic pulser, and the bio tuner. Um, how does how do, how does that take place? You mean to do it therapeutically, or or to have it or to have it as part of your lifestyle? Let's do therapeutically first, and then and then lifestyle if we can. Okay, well therapeutically. Um, the unit with the most, um, the most overall effect is uh, the micropulsing machine, uh, formerly referred to as the blood electrifier. Uh, one brand name is the silver pulser. Um, and that one has the most overall effect, I believe. And it does two things. It makes ionic colloidal silver and it uh, generates microcurrents. And so therapeutically, um, you would wear you would start wearing that for up to two hours a day. It's really portable. It it uh, is strapped to your arm. Um, you can walk with it. You can run with it. You can um, you can drive with it. You can do essentially anything with it. Almost. Don't go swimming with it. Uh, and so you wear that for up to two hours a day, a minimum. And there is detox. There, there can be a powerful detox uh, with, with, with that unit. And so people are advised to start really slowly. Start with like 10, 15 minutes a day, depending on one's personal circumstances. And then, again, work up to the two hours a day minimum. Some people, uh, depending on their circumstances, wear it for significantly longer than that. Um, the magnetic pulser is the complement to, even though it can be, it's a very handy instrument on its own, it was designed, I think as I stated before, as a complement to the silver pulser. It does the same thing, it delivers microcurrents, except <clears throat> instead of the microcurrents to the blood, it's delivering microcurrents to deeper tissue. So it's, um, it's site-specific. Uh, then there's the ionic colloidal silver. Well, how, would, how are we using the, the magnetic pulser? Well, the magnetic pulser, the original protocol was uh, to use it for uh, a period of uh, at least 20 minutes over your l major clusters of lymph nodes. So under your arms, your chest, your groin area, um, neck area, that kind of thing. Um to, yeah, it, it's basically to, to do the same thing um, to, to the tissue, the deeper tissue, as the uh, silver pulser does with the blood. 
because um, I, I, I didn't mention that uh, the silver pulser or the micropulsing machine, it sits over your ul- the two the two electrodes sit over your ulnar and radial arteries of your wrist, and it's there because uh, that's where your skin is the thinnest, and it's where the um, arteries are the closest to the surface. And so the the electricity <clears throat> is not traveling all the way through the body. It's just very localized on the wrist, and it's and as your blood is circulating, it's it's zapping is the terminology uh, that some people use, uh, giving gentle zaps of electricity to the to the red blood or to the blood cells as they're going through the wrist area. So the micro the magnetic pulser is doing the same thing except in the deep, deeper tissue. So you can, it was originally for the lymph gland system, but it's also for anywhere um, that you want. Like you can, you can aim it at any organ. You can, it's, it's perfectly safe on the brain. It's perfectly, uh, it goes through bone. It's got like a nine inch, a depth of nine inches. Uh, so also, you know, lifestyle uh, it, for the magnetic pulsar is, you know, you have sore knees, you use it on, you know, arthritic knees, arthritic feet, that kind of thing. Uh, 80% of people will generally feel a benefit from magnetic therapy. The ionic silver um, used as part of the Beck protocol therapeutically, usually one to two ounces a day. Um, it could be even up to one to two cups a day on a short-term basis, depending, again, what a person is is trying to do. Um, and then the water ozonation, uh, well, we're trying to help uh, flush out all those, because as, to- as, as pathogens are dying, they're throwing off toxins. And so we want to try to get that out of our body, and that was the reason for the ozonate, the freshly ozonated water was to help flush out those toxins and uh, so you know even one to two glasses a day is is good for the uh, ozonated water um, drinking it before and after uh, pulsing for example although people can drink more um, but as a lifestyle there are so many other uses you know it's like uh, I live in a very small community um, of 2,500 people and frequently there are, are um, water warnings. You know, we have to boil water advisory. Well, I don't boil my water because I've got my water ozonator right by my sink. And I drop that into a container of water every morning and a glass container, not plastic. And uh, ozonate away for like 15 minutes to 30 minutes. And I will have completely um, sterile water. Because the ozonator will absolutely kill anything. <laughs> It'll kill any any waterborne organism. I mean, um, the the one water ozonator uh, by the company you mentioned, Soda, uh, that's been kept tested against waterborne typhoid in Africa. It's been tested against um, uh, waterborne. Uh, Oh gosh, what's the what's the hospital uh, the 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 hospital bug that people get that's now gone out into the community? MRSA. 
No, uh, yeah, MRSA, exactly. Um, it's been, but what's the, um, what was the, the, okay, well, anyway, that it, it was the predecessor to MRSA. Um, it's been tested against. And uh, it, there's Pseudomonas, um, E. coli, I'm not sure if E. coli was on there, but hey, I completely trust that it gets rid of E. coli because I know um, the output of it and it's um, it's an absolute water sterilizer. Were, were so, you, you know, that's just to, a lifestyle use. Were you referring to Staphylococcus? Staph, there we go, Staph. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's what I was referring to. And, um, you know, people can take it camping and and use a uh, um, an alternate uh, their their car battery source for for um, running the water resonator for camping water, um, so it's a good emergency tool. Um, but it's more than that, right? I mean, there's oh yeah, there's, there's uh, you you've got it. It also um, it has an oxidative effect in the body, which may sound like a bad thing, but it, it can it can help with pathogens, right? It can yeah yeah. Well, can, here here's what it is. It's it's O three. Um, which quickly, it's just a, got an extra ox, uh, molecule of oxygen. And when you drink it, it quickly reverts back into O2, giving you extra oxygen. oxygen. When Bob Beck did um, some of his, um, you know, really casual testing among friends and that, he would, he would use one of those pulse oximeter, oximeters on your finger, and he would take people's uh, readings oxygen level readings before and after they drank uh, freshly ozonated water and found that their oxygen level would rise. So, uh, yes, it's got, uh, it's, it's definitely got a therapeutic effect. Um, but outside of the protocol, if somebody was not on the protocol therapeutically, there are a number of ways to use each one of the components of the Bob Beck protocol. Well, I I use them more for maintenance now, and yeah. and yeah. you have your protocol for that as well. It's really up to the individual. Sometimes a person might want to go on the whole protocol once a year, like and usually it's six weeks. But again, depending on what a person is trying to achieve, it might be much much longer. Um, but six weeks, say generally. And, oh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the question now. Just more of a, a maintenance protocol. The maintenance protocol. Um, so they might want to repeat it once a year. They might want to repeat it once every six months. Or they might want to use, use the equipment once or twice a week. Um, and they will know. I mean, after a while of using the equipment, you get uh, kind of an intuitive sense for oneself how much you need it and how much you don't need it. Right. And, and it becomes a, a go-to for certain things. For example, uh, about a year ago, I had a, um, a stressful bout of a few days. And um, I ended up breaking out into shingles. And I quickly, now you may know shingles is very, very painful. It um, produces a rash on one side of the body, and 
it can last for weeks, months, years. Some people live chronically with shingles. I don't think they need to. But again, that comes down to your belief system as well. Anyway, I broke out into these two patches of shingles, palm size. And I knew exactly what it was because of the pain involved. And because I'd heard it described to me so many times by people that I was talking to uh, in regard to the technology. And so I knew what I had to do. And so I quickly put myself on um, the protocol plus some, um, some vitamin therapy. So I put, quick, I put myself on high-dose lysine, high-dose vitamin D, high-dose vitamin C, high-dose vitamin E, um, and made sure that I was drinking ionic colloidal silver throughout the day, made sure that I was wearing that, that um, a silver pulser unit for, oh gosh, I think uh, I had it on for at least three or four hours and the first day. And um, um, and the water ozonated water, and also applying the the silver topically to the actual rash, and that was started at seven in the morning, and at seven at night it was like a blanket just lifted from me, the pain was completely gone, and I ended up having the rash still for another week, but there was no pain and there was no itching involved. I just kept using the silver pulser every day for a couple of hours, kept on putting the silver on the actual um, rash and, and kept drinking it, kept on my vitamins that I had set up for myself. But in one day, I had removed all pain just by, you know, applying it really intensively. It's probably very exciting to a lot of people listening. What do you what do you say when someone questions? Let's say we're talking about the ozonator, and they say, "Well, wouldn't that also kill the bad or the good bacteria in our body?" No, I think, and I can't explain it on scientific terms. I I, I think that there must be different the good bacteria and bad bacteria must be charged differently somehow in the body because they don't react the same. Mm -hmm. um, now, are you talking about ionic colloidal silver with bacteria or the, or the silver, like the electricity? Well, in this case, I was referring to the, the ozonator because we do know that, that ozone okay. has, has an uh, oxidative effect and it, it, kills, right, right. it kills pathogens, but it's yeah. not like it, it can... Well, maybe it can <laughs> if there's if there's different electrical charges as as you mentioned. Yeah. I hadn't considered that, but um, when when I've discussed this with with other individuals and just um, kind it's of standard question you get, yeah, and it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. It's a good question because it can't select yeah. and, it can't select and say this organism is beneficial to the body, whereas this one is is causing systemic inflammation. I'm going to kill this one and leave the other one, you know? But I would, I would actually argue that and say, yes, the body can differentiate. It, it may be able to. And, and, and the thing is, the, the thing is, is here's, here's what leads me to believe that. Um, there was a, a person I was, um, I was dealing with and my colleagues were dealing with, and he was a bit of a scientific, had a bit of a scientific background. And so he wondered whether ionic colloidal silver 
would kill good, the good gut bacteria. And so he did an experiment. And he applied um, uh, ionic colloidal silver to gut bacteria and watched under a microscope as they all completely slowed down. They slowed right down. And then after a few minutes, they all started swimming again. And yet, if that was regular bacteria, what it what it what silver does when it hits that bacterial wall is it interferes with its ability to uh, replicate, and it literally disintegrates that bacterial wall. It doesn't bother our mammalian cells because our cell walls are too thick, whereas bacterial cell walls are really thin. So why would it like absolutely disintegrate? bad bacteria but upon looking at this this good bacteria under a microscope they were they slowed down for a bit but they started swimming again so now that's not you know really scientific i mean that was one guy one experiment but it tells me that something else is happening and i wish i could explain it scientifically and some point when i have the time i'm going to have to investigate more to find out why yeah yeah, But I think it's always a good idea anyway for, especially when we're talking about our gut bacteria, um, I think it's always a good idea to supplement with probiotics. Mm-hmm. Especially if the budget's there and someone is okay potentially throwing a little bit of money away. Yeah. Well, we're not talking about a little money or a, 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 like a lot of money, really. Yeah, they're they're relatively inexpensive. Um, okay. Ed McCabe, I just wanted to touch on this because you mentioned him, and I'm reading "Flood Your Body with Oxygen" right now. Um, I didn't know that he had had worked with Bob Beck. Mm-hmm. Have you utilized any of Ed McCabe's oxygen therapies yourself? No, no, I haven't. I I have not. I have to say. Um. Uh, but given the circumstances and the time, I might. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't end on that question. That was such yeah, a womp exactly. womp. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, was, I was expecting, I'm, I'm yeah. so used to you telling me about the different things that you've tried and, and have seen and, oh. and, and, and different case studies. And, and then you're like, nope, sure haven't. I'm like, all right, well, we can't go out on that one. Oh, actually, you know what? Um, what I have tried, actually, when it comes to, to ozone is that um, I was in Turkey for a few months at a, at a health resort. And for three months, actually. And one of the treatments was um, ozone therapy, like injected ozone therapy. And although I didn't notice anything from it specifically, because I was doing a whole number of beautiful things, um, overall, at the end of three months, man, I felt good. (laughs) And I would get those ozone treatments weekly. Um, also I sent my, my brother and I sent my, our parents to my, my father had Alzheimer's, um, the beginning of Alzheimer's. And, um, so we sent him and my mom to Cuba, uh, this was years ago. And of course we're Canadian, so we've never had the same situation with Cuba as, as the States has. I mean, Cuba has been a, a, a regular holiday destination for Canadians for forever. Um, so, but what, what Cuba has is they have, they've developed 
the best protocols of ozone in the world. I mean, the best research done on ozone because they didn't have the money. They didn't have the pharmaceuticals um, because of the, you know, the situation between the States and Cuba. So they had to develop other, other therapies. They had to develop other ways of doing things. Um, so they had one of the world's foremost researchers, Sylvia Menendez um, there. And so we sent our parents there for a month so that the, so that my dad could get daily ozone treatments, and we do believe it really helped. Where, where specifically did you send him in Cuba? Oh, uh, ha- Havana. Havana, yeah. Is that the is that the capital? Mm-hmm. I, well, I yeah. think so. Do you yeah. do you uh, do you remember the name of the institution or? Uh, no, but I could probably look it up quickly. Um, yeah, her name is Sylvia Menendez. That was the researcher, and uh, and again, she's she's uh, world renowned for her um, uh, for the research she's done. Uh, and what was your what was your father's prognosis before, and then what was his status after ozone therapy? Well, that's the thing, though. This is the insidious thing about Alzheimer's. Unfortunately, it was it's a a a, a bad example to bring up for you know an end result of a, of a therapy. Uh, but you asked me for, you know, how it's, I've used ozone therapies in my life. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons, but you know, it, he was supposed to continue on with ozone therapy when he got back to Canada. And at that point he refused. And it's one of the insidious things about Alzheimer's is you just stop doing things that are good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you just can't even make a person do those good things. Unfortunately, I, I, I've seen that. I've seen that to some degree in in, in my father with Parkinson's. Is um, I got my brother started using. He he came in from Egypt, and he's he lost. 47, maybe, I mean, maybe even 50 plus pounds now. And he's, I mean, he's a skinny guy. He's skinnier than I am now. Um, But he wasn't in in January. And he started taking a lot of steps to get his health back in order. And when, when we went up to our lake house this summer, he said, he's like, the one thing that I would, I would love to be better is uh, my pooping. He's like, I just feel like I'm so blocked up. And, um, and one of the things that we started utilizing was the water ozonator and he started drinking ozonated water from the soda machine. Like it was his job. And I gave him uh, some other supplements. I made sure we got his fiber up where it needed to be. Right, right. And the combination of the, the soda water ozonator and the specific supplements that I recommended to him, one of them was neem. I I put him on, um, Alamed, the, the, the concentrated Allison extract from garlic. Um, I had him doing 900 milligrams of Allison three times a day on an empty stomach. And and then a few other things. I don't want (laughs) to get, get too into it, but, um, he, he came down the evening of day one and he goes, I just pooped more than I have ever pooped 
in my entire <laughs> life. He's like, it was scary that that was even inside of me. And he goes, I feel amazing. He's like, give me more of that ozonated water. So uh, then he's yeah. just, the entire vacation, he's running the soda ozonator nonstop. And we're up at our <laughs> lake house. So you've got this like high iron content water that's turning the stone in the ozonator red. Because oh my, my brother's been using it so much. But oh he, uh, he, 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 he got back we got back home and he immediately bought one and uh it was funny I walked I, I came home the other day just to spend a little bit of time with, with with the family after my grandma's 93rd birthday party and uh within 30 seconds of walking into the house my brother had had a big glass uh glass pitcher of water being ozonated he's just he's, he's obsessed with it oh nice yeah that's great hey, um tell him to send us a picture yeah, I'll have, him, I'll have him send in a picture. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll send him a message. He's been he's been helping out with our newsletter and a whole bunch of stuff and responding to things on social media when I when I can't get to it. So it's been it's been a lot yeah. of fun. Um, oh, hey, the other thing with the ozone and and um, well, well, with the specifically the soda water ozonator, even though it's a water ozonator, um, another thing uh, like a lifestyle thing or uh, you know as one needs it. Great for bagging a limb. So if you have, like, say, a foot ulcer, for example, or, you know, something that's infected, um, like a limb. Uh-huh. Um, if it, you, you put the limb in a bag and put the ozone tube in there and let it ozonate away. I could have really used that when I, when I had surgery. <laughs> in June, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, the, the surgery. I, I tore my I tore my pec major, right. uh, wrestling, and um and and the surgical site was it had some signs of redness and and underlying right. infection, and um and you know they didn't want us getting it wet because that increased the risk of infection. But <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. I, I I didn't even consider bagging it, but I could have that could that could have definitely helped. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but as it is, I hope that you were taking ionic colloidal silver and putting ionic colloidal silver on the wound. I so I did, and one of my clients is is a neurologist, and um, I had been using that on my own for a while. And, and she's <laughs> she came in and she's like she's like, look, okay, you've been using it. It's still infected. Will you please stop spraying colloidal silver on your wound? <laughs> She's like, for me, you've done it your way. Can you please take the damn antibiotics so that you don't uh, die? And I, I said, fine, <laughs> give me the antibiotics. So I went, I did it their way. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a week of antibiotics. It wasn't the other. Yeah, yeah. Did I've, you use I, silver pulser though? Uh, God, I don't. I mean, no, I, you I, didn't. I, don't, I, I think I... I, I I think I told you to at the time, but I didn't hear back from you. Maybe you did. I, I, there was just there's so many, so much going on. We've been <laughs> a yeah. lot of balls in the air, spinning plates. It, it wasn't. It wasn't like I was uh, avoiding using the silver pulser. I think it may have just been. I, I think maybe you and I were communicating when I was at the lake house, and then um, and the silver pulser was down here, or something like that. I don't remember. Oh but, yeah. Um, well, Vicky, this has been this has been great. I think there's a ton of uh, nuggets of information here that people can take away and at least explore on their own. You know, we're not we're not yeah, giving yeah. medical advice, and we're not 
Um, you know, this the, the, no. the purpose of this is not to say that that government is bad and no, and no. you know or anything like that. It's just to say, look, here here are some tools that other people are using. Yeah. Um, and if you if you're looking for solutions and you haven't found something that that has provided yeah. a degree of relief that you're looking for, the quality of life that you desire, yeah, um, yeah. here are some places that you can look. Yeah, they're they're lifestyle in you know they're they're lifestyle instruments. Um, they're for greater wellness, for greater health, um, for greater relaxation. And no, regarding government, you know, to give them the benefit of the doubt too. You know, people like the FTC and the FDA um, also see the very worst of the worst. The, the absolute scam artists that, you know, need to be run off into their, into the darkness again. Mm -hmm. um, these people that, you know, start up something and it's a fly by night. They try to sell as much of some diet supplement as they can and then they shut down really quickly before and move on to another name and another, you know, and another supplement kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yep. It's the, it's the worst of the worst. And so, uh, the, unfortunately, though, they, they end up putting everybody into that category. Yeah. And, uh, and, and frankly, you know, it's, it's, it's the laws that we've helped create, that we've allowed to be created, um, that have rep repressed this kind of technology. And uh, a lot of, you know, good supplements have been um, taken off the market that should never have been taken off the market. Mm -hmm. and, and so, no, I mean... Government can only be as good as we are. And so if we don't, you know, if we don't like something they're doing, then we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, how can I help change the system then? Well, that's, yeah. I think that's a good, a good note to end on. Yeah. Uh, Vicki, for people that, that want to stay up to date with things you're working on, um, some of the tools we mentioned um, yeah. the Bob Beck protocol, where, where are the best places for them to do that? Well, bobbeck.com. Bobbeck.com. Um, we're just in the, in the process of a redesign right now and a rewrite, but, um, there's still a lot of resources on that, on that site and, uh, newly added, uh, next week will be, um, a, uh, what we call the science gallery. And so where we've gathered, hundreds of different uh, science articles on electricity, not on the Beck Protocol, but on electricity and medicine in general, because we have to look at theories and we have to look at tendencies. We have to look at how it's been used and we have to use our imaginations and, and know how else it could be used and be creative. Um, because that's one of the problems with our medical system now is based all on statistics. So, you know, if, if you mark a hundred oranges um, and you want to know how often they or how much they fall off the trees or how fast to rate, you have to mark a hundred oranges and then count that out. But you can't extrapolate that information for other pieces of fruit. So you have to do all of the other pieces of fruit individually. And so that's unfortunately where our medical system kind of holds us back um, just by, by being statistic-based instead of theory. We have to start looking at theories. And um, anyway, so there's a lot of good information on that site, 
bobbeck.com, and I'm happy to answer anybody's questions that they may have in the context of someone who has experience in talking to hundreds of people using the technologies and how they've used them, because I myself am not a practitioner in any way, shape, or form. Well, thank you, Vicki. It's, it's been a pleasure as always. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. I, I hope that... Uh, I like our chats. Yeah, I, I do as well. And um, I, I hope that your throat continues to heal after being ex- exposed to the, uh, the smoke and, and ash from that, that big fire. Yeah, well, I can't, I can't even believe that I've been able to talk this long without being uh, choking on that little tickle. And I think it must be this... Uh, this good coconut water I'm drinking. Your voice actually sounds better now than it did at the beginning of the call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all those good minerals and stuff and electrolytes in that coconut water, I'm sure. There you go. There's there's yeah. one there's one more tip for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, Vicky. I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, BobBeck.com is the place to stay up to date on, on all of the information. And it sounds like you guys got some some cool stuff. Uh, coming out for for the folks who like to really dig into the science as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, take care. (laughs) Thank you. Take care, Vicki. Bye-bye. All right, biohackers, super excited to share this one with you guys, especially those of you who live in parts of the world where maybe you don't get as much sun as you like, or even if you just have a modern lifestyle that doesn't allow you to get as much sun as you like. Maybe you wake up in your box, you eat your box cereal. Hopefully you guys are, are past that. You get in your box with four wheels under it, you drive and you work all day in your box, and before you know it, you haven't gotten any sun. And we know that that photonic energy from the sun is critical to everything for from energy production to mood, mental fatigue, and especially for those those of us that have dealt with seasonal affective disorder, that's kind of like where your mood drops during the winter months, I suggest that you pick up the Human Charger. I've used this for a few years, and what's really cool about it is it was invented in Finland, and the research on this device has been around since the 1980s. It's effectively working by shedding light into the light-sensitive regions of the brain that are responsible for energy levels and mood and mental alertness, and it can help reduce the effects of jet lag. There's studies showing that this is effective against seasonal affective disorder. It actually increases motor speed in athletes, and it does all of that without suppressing the melatonin production that clears toxins from our brain and helps us get a good deep night's sleep, right? So that's really cool. I use it for about 12 minutes a day. I used to use it religiously when I was in Chicago, and now that I've moved to move to Delray and have much more access to sunlight. I use it uh, a little bit less frequently, more on a as-needed basis, and I keep it in the rotation for when I travel to prevent jet lag. You can learn more about the Human Charger at humancharger.com. Be sure to use coupon code BIOHACKS to save 20% on your order. Again, you can go check it out at humancharger.com. That's H-U-M-A-N-C-H-A-R-G-E-R.com and use coupon code BIOHACKS, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S when purchasing to save 20% on your order. 